Welcome to LaRue's Rugby Podcast, a podcast made by rugby fans for rugby fans. My name is Dan Murphy, and alongside me is the uber-talented Derek Brissett of Layman Sports. Derek, how's it going, going buddy? Ah, not too bad, man. Yourself? Are you, have, you, have you survived all of the games you had to go to? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been a been a busy week for sure. The last you know three games in eight days. It's a it's a lot to take in. So, but uh, you know, I'm not I'm not one of the guys that had to play like 120 minutes plus of rugby. So, or, yeah. or John Moonlight, or John Moonlight putting in the uh, the full 160 in three days there. So, yeah, that guy's a machine. Like I know, yeah. he, I know he does. Like you know, the sevens tournaments were you know pretty hairy. Like three, you know. You know, yeah, twenty minute games in a, in a day, but still, that's uh, that's quite a yeah. feat. I'm happy to see Plus, that like Cole Levas and uh, Gaston Merez and uh, Sam Malcolm were in like Mar- Montreal the last couple of days. Like they were showing on their Instagram, they were doing a tour. Yeah, I don't know if the, yeah, I don't know if the and, whole uh, team went or if it was just the the you know the the international guys going. But I think that that's a you know take advantage of what what you can now on this bye week because holy moly, yeah. you guys deserved a break. Yeah, they're like uh, soaking in some uh, some R and R and stuff to do a little sightseeing. It's a good week to go do it. Weather in Toronto sucks. Hopefully, it's not as bad in Montreal. Yeah, so, yeah that's mean, for sure. They're, they're plus, just gonna... I mean, I don't know. They can try some like poutine. Go to Schwartz's. We don't have that in Toronto. No. <laughs> um. So first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about. The, um, we've got three games we have to talk about, so we've got a lot of talk about it. We'll try to get some to some of the other things because. Like like we said, a lot, not even just with the Arrows, uh, it is, um, a lot has happened in the Canadian rugby sphere. It's, I think it's like right after we stopped recording the last podcast, two big news pieces popped out. Uh, the one about the Nova Scotia rugby drama that happened over the last few weeks, and then also the firing of Damien McGrath. So we're going to try to uh, blow through these games and maybe talk about a couple different things that have happened because... Like I said, there are has been a lot of big rugby news going on with Canada. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the busier weeks in a while, news wise. Yeah. So the first game we're going to talk about is the San Diego game. So this was uh, the first game uh, at, at Lamport Stadium for the Arrows. So it was an exciting game mm-hmm. to begin with, and I think. I honestly don't know who I would have else wanted to start against because the Legion are such a good team and uh, it was a really fun game to watch on TV. Uh, so the game was pretty back and forth, uh, in my opinion. It's really, really strong defense on both sides. I mean, for the first half, uh-huh. the Arrows had ter- uh, territory possession for most of the game. And, uh, yeah. you know, the Arrows for the first you know quarter of the game, if we want to look at it that way, really could not solve the, the, the defensive uh, prowess of San Diego. And uh, this is something that was brought up not only on Reddit, but on Twitter I saw with some fans is uh, the arrows anytime that they, they force a penalty ended up kicking to go out for the line out. And it's something mm-hmm. that I've noticed in major league rugby a lot is that uh, when the points are there for the kicks, especially earlier in the games, I understand later in games, but early in the games, uh, fly, you know, captains and fly halves decide to go for, you know, the, the big points try to go for, for the try and not settle for points. And I think this is maybe one game that they really could have benefited from just ta- soaking up, you know, those, those kicks. I know sometimes it's, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty when we say we saw all the penalties they could have gotten, gotten those kicks. But even if you just start with one, you know, get three points on the board and kind of move on from there, uh, you know, 
I think that probably would have been a really good idea. But again, that's not just something that I see with the arrows. It, it seems to be something that you see a lot with a lot of MLR teams and a lot of North North American rugby. It's it's you know uh, you see with some of the Irish teams or you know um, New Zealand teams, especially in Super Rugby, that they they don't waste time with those those penalty kicks. But maybe that's just because they know how tough the defense is going to be. Uh, but it's an interesting point that some people were making out there, especially, and I saw it a lot in this game. Well, I think, uh, well, I think part of it, like just not even from like the arrows or uh, uh, just like MLR as a whole, I think like referees seem to be like awarding uh, penalties to the offensive team a lot more. So I feel like that's kind of like part of the, uh, like, you know, like I think that's part of like the part of the, like the risk assessment there is like you can tr- go for a line out or whatever. Maybe the other team collapses the mall or eventually goes offside or whatever. And, uh, you know, you get another shot at kicking the three points if it doesn't work. So I think sometimes you just might as well try to go for a try, uh, considering the the, uh, the officials seem to be awarding the offensive team a lot more. Um, so I think a lot of times um, in this particular case, I think it's like I didn't really have a problem with the arrows going for any of the uh, – like going for tries uh, at the start of the game. Um, obviously, you know, after, obviously after a few attempts, you know, Malcolm – uh, slotted two penalties in the first half as well. Um, so they did start like attempting to do it, but I think like um, initially, I just think initially, like San Diego's defense is so good. And oh, it, it I think was... like they have, they have one of the, they have one of, if not, they, they probably have the best defense in the league. Oh, and yeah. their defense was on full display in that first 20 minutes. Um, just because it, like, it was, like, yeah, it was tough to crack that. Yeah, it, uh, it, it was, it was literally just a wall of red. And, and I think that the, yeah. the one thing that really impressed me about, about San Diego is their defensive line was quick. They did not wait yeah. for that ball to, to come out of, uh, out of the hands of McKenzie, um, who, who yeah. I thought maybe didn't start the game off as well as he has in other games, you know, getting that ball out as quickly. But you got to give credit to San Diego because, holy moly, they yeah. came out of that defensive line quickly and did not give anybody they're any like, yeah, they're like borderline offside on almost every play but i yeah. don't even know if it's just because they're just that fast or because they're actually offside but yeah um like there's like uh but yeah like they, they were just they i think that was one of those things is uh dan dan moore said after the game it's like one of their big halftime adjustments was they had the back line playing a lot deeper um, so they added a lot more depth to the uh, to the backs there because it was when they were in the first half they were so like they were a lot flatter. Yeah. San Diego's defense could get up on them like far too quickly. Yeah, and uh, it caught, yeah, it kind of caused some problems. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, Tao's try at the end of the half there, um, which was you know the defense uh, defense got up like really quickly there. Um, there was you know the pass didn't connect and then Tao just took off on it. So. Um, that was the other thing, though. It's like with that first half, you had the uh, tails try and Duplessis try, and they were both just off like arrow immediately off as the result of like an arrow turnover, um, slash an arrow's mistake. But that was yeah. like the only two, the only two offensive chances that they had in oh, the entire half, the, and they just they capitalized on it. The pressure was fun. all on was all on San Diego, yeah. and again, like like you said, like I think it comes into that that speed that they have on the defense of the ball also works well for a counteractive um they got a, they you know, got a strong attack approach, yeah. yeah i mean duplicy's try was it was an arrows turnover and then a uh, peterson uh peterson line break and then they he got the ball out to duplicy and duplicy was gone yeah it was so, just and it's yeah, exactly. it was just 
It's just like, one. It was one offload, and that yeah, there's gone. nothing arrows to do about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then like you said, I mean, the pressure continued for the arrows, and then then they they did take that that strategy, and they scored two penalty kicks. So you know they were going into the to the second half, uh, you know, mm-hmm. down only by one point, and then you know we all know what happened is. You know, Mike Ateo, uh, you know, a bumbling of errors of, of a couple of Aeros players that was able to secure the ball and, and then just take took care of himself. I think Mike Ateo for San Diego had a really strong game. I remember watching oh, him play um, bef- uh, play for, for the U.S. in a couple of, I think it was probably the qualifying series for the World uh, Cup of Rugby, and I was really impressed by him. And then, you know, he had that horrible injury at the beginning of last year and everyone thought that maybe he was done, and it's really been awesome to see him play. He's he's just one of those big ticket uh, products that is only going to get better with with age, and very very talented player. So he really gave the yeah. arrows uh, some struggles trying to get him down. But yeah, uh, that was that, that was the one thing uh, like being at that game live. It was like actually like realizing just how fast Mikey Tao actually is. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's a, like you can always watch the, like these guys on TV, but sometimes you get that different perspective when you actually see them live, and especially like when he when he did intercept that, or not really an interception, but when when he picked up that ball and like just took off on his try, and you could just it was like he took two steps before you realize like no arrow was going to come anywhere near catching him. On this, like he's just he's insanely fast, and he can create a lot of offense from the back, and like. Like I said, it's like San Diego plays great defense. They force teams to kind of they force teams to kind of kick the ball away sometimes too, and then to have Tao at the back there ready to receive those kicks. Like it's a pretty powerful like counter punch, and um, yeah. San Diego was able to show that in the first half because that's exactly how they got their two tries. Yeah, and I mean they did they did the same thing to uh, Nola this this uh, past weekend. Yeah. I mean yeah. strong right. defensive wall, and when they gave their wingers and and Tao a chance to. Uh, run. They really did a really good job with that. Um, yeah, so exactly. Going into the second half, I mean, Malcolm slotted another penalty kick to keep it close, and then the Legion really went to work offensive side of the ball, and they almost scored twice. You know, one was taken away by a double, double move by Patty Ryan, who I thought had an up-and-down game. Uh, you know, I, I've gotten used to seeing him play a couple games, and he, he's really impressed me coming over from Super Rugby. Uh, but didn't uh, wasn't able to score a try off that, and then another strong defensive play by Pat Parfait. Um, you know, he, this was his first start of the season, and uh, he I think he played pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really, really strong play. Some people thought that maybe it was an intentional knock on, but at the end I, of the day, the ref made his call. But it like it very clearly went backwards. Like, yeah. I, I, I kept like, I know like the commentator said that for sure during the game. It was like, he, he like, it very clearly went like backward just cause he was facing his own, just cause he's facing the direction that he hit the ball. Like it's not, yeah. it's going backwards. Yeah. So I like, I have no idea why for some reason people think it was an intentional knock on, but yeah, uh, I don't know. But it's, like, it's, it's very I'm, clearly uh... going through the arrow backwards to work. I, th- I think we'll look back at this season and I think the one thing we'll be disappointed in is in the broadcasting. I haven't been very impressed by them. Uh, mm. they, they've done, they've done a, like a, a pretty good job, um, but there's, there's been a couple times where they've kind of said some things and uh, they, they've, they've been pretty you know, up and down throughout the season. So I would like to personally see, I mean, we are a Canadian team. I would like to see some Canadian broadcasters kind of take it over. I know, I know. Here in Canada, we're kind of 
a lot of people are either you're either with Bell or you're with Rogers, and that's who you're contracted out to. So I don't know. I think we've got some talented uh, broadcasters here in Canada that I would like to see maybe take a shot at it next year. But you know, who knows what the broadcasting deal is going to be like next year? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, it's one of those things. It's still a new league. It's like hopefully everything just gets better with time and stuff. So, I mean, I, at this point in time, to be honest, like I'm just I'm just stoked games are on TV and everybody's able to like watch them. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like even just like having games on like CBS and stuff down in the States is awesome. Having games on like whichever like local CBS affiliate the teams are putting them on, at least, you know, it's like that's the step one is getting it like, getting everything like available and stuff. And then, you know, hopefully people can do start watching it and then we can, uh, you know, we can move on from there, but we got to get, got to get people like, you got to make the games and stuff available and, and uh, you know, every, it'll get better with time, I think. So, yeah, just, I, I I, we, we've said this before. I, I just, uh, I, I'm the pessimistic one of, of this team. I, I like, I love what MLR has done so far. I just, I, I always think that there's room for improvement on a lot of things, and I, I agree with you. I, I got, I have to temper, I have to temper my expectations sometimes because I'm, I'm so used to such great broadcasting for the other sports I listen to. So that's just me. I gotta, I gotta yeah. rein it in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, after uh, after that strong, you know, goal line defense, um, uh, another yellow card was handed out. Uh, to uh, uh, San Diego and the, the arrows went on the offense. I believe the yellow, yellow card was for a high tackle. Um, the, Ospar- yeah, second, Osberger. Yeah, yellow was uh, Augsburger with a high tackle. Yeah. So, I mean, the arrows kind of just went to work and uh, Levis, who wasn't even supposed to play in the game, you know, a last minute injury mm-hmm. brought him into the, the subs. You know, he, he really was able to finish off a play uh, that the, the backs really worked well on and, and he was able to finish off the play. So that's, Good for him. He has been playing uh, very well the last uh, last few weeks, and you'll hear his name a, a, a few times uh, in, in these uh, game recaps. Um, you yeah, know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Livas has been, yeah, he's been unreal. Um, you know, I mean, we still got to talk about the Austin game, but take that into consideration. He's got three tries in three games right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and like they make tries too. So, uh, you know, like you said, like it's uh, the arrow's depth. Uh, think like with with this try in particular it's like kind of really shows the arrow's depth when you know it's it's scored by a guy that wasn't supposed to be in the lineup and then it's also you know the guy that passed him but drew in the defenders and passed them the ball was supposed to be in the reserves and wasn't even supposed to start um but they know those are those end up being the two guys that uh set up the big play to you know uh you know put the arrows on the right path there and uh like they finally were able to crack the def uh crack that san diego defense with you know, two guys that, uh, you know, when the lineup was actually, you know, announced weren't in the positions where they ended up being in this game. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, that's just credit to where credit's due is being game ready. Right. Um, yeah, that's, exactly. that's actually something that we'll talk about later about being game ready, because the, there there was another player that uh, maybe wasn't as, as game ready, I thought, at one of the beginning of the game. So we'll talk about that later in one of the other games. Um. Yes, after that that try was scored, though the again San Diego they are, you know they're number one for a reason. They wasted no time. Uh, Peterson again off of a scrum, took the ball in himself and and scored to give San Diego the lead. Um, but you know like the arrows did all season, you know they marched up that field. Uh, you know uh, Colby Francis, who's just been a soldier all year, stole a line out, and then and then off of some scrums they forced another yellow card. 
which is going to be something that a lot of people are going to talk about San Diego's performances. You know, three yellow cards in a game. They they yeah. were penalized heavy in this game, and a lot of it was just yeah. dumb mistakes that they kind of just made. Um, well, yeah, like they they took they took a ton of penalties, and um, yeah, like the the penalties. I mean, realistically, when you kind of go back on it, you know, the Arrows win twenty three nineteen. Um, so it's only four points. Sam Malcolm had three penalties uh, in the game. So, I mean, that's the difference right there. But even the, the two tries were scored with a guy in the bin. Um, the two arrows tries were scored with, uh, with a guy sitting in the bin too. So, um, like, there was pretty much um, almost, like, you know, sort of indirect way. A lot of the – almost all 23 of the arrows points for the – like, you know, came, like, after following the, the San Diego penalty or – you know, so, so San Diego somehow disadvantaging themselves in the game, uh, which doesn't, I mean, doesn't take away anything from what the Arrows play. I mean, obviously, no. these are the, the Arrows have to draw those penalties and stuff. But, yeah, they like, said San Diego had, uh, like, there was, that was a lot of penalties. I like, just trying to think of the last time I, I'd, like, or even if I've seen an MLR game with, like, three yellows to one team. Um, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. Um, I didn't really dive into it too much, though. Yeah, the um, only one I, but... I can, the only one I can think of is when uh, Kalinasau and Vifi both got their yellow and red, and then I think there was another yellow card in that game. Oh, was there There's another one? I think, yeah, yeah. but you know, that's someone's gonna have to look that up for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they 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 went off of that 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 last scrum, and uh, Stephen Ng scored the game winner, and. You know, he, he's been uh, someone who's come off the bench and played, you know, very well as well. I mean, Quatrin has mm-hmm. been I, – I bet Rugby Canada is really looking at Quatrin seriously for, you know, uh, the World Cup. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the hooker the hooker position is uh, one that's a little bit lacking for Canada. So, to see Quatrin play so well and then even Ng for, you know, the future, you know, he, he's played very well coming off of the bench and, and when he was given the chance to start. Uh, a few games, you know, you can't uh, take that away from them. So, really strong game by both teams. I mean, Arrows really took uh, control of possession, but credit where credit's due with San Diego and how strong they were defensively. Uh, Derek, who is someone that uh, that you would consider maybe the player of the game? Uh yeah, I think I think, uh, I think uh, there's there's a couple dudes like that had some like really great games. Um, uh, I know uh, Dan Moore post game just had uh, nothing but positive things to say about like pretty much every teammate um, that he has. Um, but uh, you know he, he highlighted uh, he highlighted Wayne, uh, Wayne Wright and Malazzo a lot. I know you want to talk about uh, Malazzo's uh, Malazzo in this one, um, so I'll allow you to do that. But uh, the other one that he did mention, and it's uh, who I'm gonna go with, is Sam Malcolm. Uh, like Sam Malcolm was like insanely good in this game. He's insanely good in pretty much every game he plays, but um, he was like, yeah, I think he's uh, to me, he's the MVP of this game. Um, but he, um, you know, he, he goes five for five kicking, nailed all three of the penalties he attempted, uh, slotted both conversions. Like we said a couple minutes ago, like that, that those really do add up and ends up being like, you know, one of the differences in the game. Um, I just like, you know, especially with uh, San Diego scored uh, one more, like more tries than Toronto in the game. So it was really like Malcolm's boot was a massive factor in this one as well. Um, But just, you know, the way he's able to help, the arrows control territory, control possession. Um, his kicks are like his in-game kicks are like 
they're always accurate. They always gain a lot of territory. Um, they always, you know, it does a really great job of putting, putting the arrows in the right parts of the field um, to allow the team to succeed. And especially in a game like where they completely control the territory. And a lot of that comes down to Sam Malcolm too. Um, a lot of the, he does a great job, uh, you know, setting up guys to, you know, be able to attack, be in a good position to attack some holes in the, in the defense. And like those holes are really tough to find in, in San Diego, but Malcolm managed to find some guys that were able to do that. And uh, yeah, they got this, they just all around. I mean, uh, we're probably going to mention Sam Malcolm a handful, a lot more times uh, throughout this podcast here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm uh, would be my uh, player, the man of the match in, uh, in, uh, in this one. Yeah, he he's played phenomenally well, and it'll be interesting to see. Well, we'll, we'll be talking about him a, a lot this uh, this podcast. But uh, I wanted to talk. Yeah, you mentioned that I wanted to talk about Malazzo, and I think this game really showed how strong of a uh, defensive presence uh, he is. You know, he he made a couple of really strong tackles, and it's funny if you go to you know a lot of photos that are that are uh, posted about. Uh, you know, tries against Toronto. It always seems that Malazzo is involved somehow, but it's always because he's at the right space at the right time. Even when there's a try that's going to be scored, he's normally the last line of defense, and that's just something to be said about about a uh, a flanker who just knows where to be at the right time. He's always in the breakdown. You know, he's always supporting the ball carrier. He's not the strongest ball carrier, and I think that's okay because um, – whether he's lining up against uh, or whether he's lining up with uh, Rumball or with Moonlight, both those guys are strong ball carriers. So I have no problem with him being the just supportive, uh, rucking, defensive prowess, line out pro that he is. And I've really enjoyed the game that he played against San Diego because they've got their their back three is their big boys. Like they have had, they had a strong back uh, back three. And he really, really kept uh, the defensive presence, especially from from the pack, uh, uh, pretty prominent. So I, I was really happy with his game. And again, like you said, the captain Dan Moore really mentioned that that he played very well. Um, okay, so <laughs> again, we've got the next game uh, that we have to look at uh, Austin. So this was postponed. This was the postponed game, and so they had to go back to York, uh, back to Alumni Stadium. Uh, and uh, it didn't really start off the best. I mean, the weather wasn't great. I remember I was waiting for my rugby practice, so I was sitting in the parking lot, and it was at a university field, so I was using the Wi-Fi, and I was watching the first half of the game, and I was frustrated because you could tell that the arrows, the, you tell that they were playing better. They, you know, they were the better team, but just knock-ons and forward passes, and it just it was really, really messy, and Austin – took advantage very quickly. Um, you know, they, they put some strong pressure on them and they went up three, nothing. And then they kicked again and then they took advantage again. And so it was six, nothing. And I'm sitting here and I'm saying, this is, you know, this, I get the weather was really, it wasn't the best. And I, I get that. And that happens, but it really was disappointing to see um, the arrows start the game like that against a lower tier team. I mean, that Austin hasn't won a game all season and it breaks my heart. Because one, I love their kits. I mean, they've got, I think, one of the coolest kits in MLR. And two, they're basically like Canada South. I mean, like they've got a, a couple of really young, talented Canadians on the on the team that I want to see do well. And uh, even last year, I really liked watching Austin. 
it just seems that like they've got the talent, but there's just something missing there. So to see the arrows not take advantage of that at the start of the game, you know, was frustrating. But you know, after a sneaky play by Ferguson to take the lead and uh, and then kick his own conversion, you know, I, I calmed myself down because I realized that you know these games are long and. You know, the, the arrows really kind of proved that for me. They didn't look back after that. Um, Sam Windsor, again, Sean Windsor? Uh, Sean Windsor, yeah. Sean Sam, Windsor. Sam, Sam Windsor plays for uh, Houston. There you go, yeah. Get, get my Windsors mixed up. But Sean <laughs> Windsor, again, he's a guy who's just – he hasn't had any chances to play. You know, he's been, he's been practicing. You know, he's just been out, out in the, the, the Canadian rugby wilderness – and he did an amazing job uh, starting wow. in this game. Man, played really well. And to his credit, he started the year off amazing as well. It seems like it was decades ago, like eons ago, that, that Sean Windsor was starting games for the Toronto Arrows. And, uh, but he, he stepped in and really, really played well this, this game. And, and this play really proved it. I mean, that, the offload to Levas to, to you know, get on his horse and run. And then you know, everyone knows how that, that try finished, you know. Basically, like just destroying the opposition's nine, and then just trucking his way to the the try zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was uh, that's probably uh, one of the best arrows tries of the year, just at least from a visual standpoint. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Windsor uh, Windsor was amazing uh, in this game. I thought he was played. Uh, he played really well. Um, he definitely, in my opinion, looks way more comfortable as a fullback than he does at fly half in his uh, you know brief appearance. Um, uh, when Malcolm got hurt a couple games back, um, but uh, he definitely looks a lot better, a lot more relaxed, and a lot more comfortable as a uh, flat or as a fullback. Um, but yeah, he he made uh, like he made some like really, really nice plays. Obviously, the you know he made a couple of nice uh, steps to get around the defense before even making that offload um, to Livis. And uh, like yeah, and exactly once uh, he took off, and it was just one-on-one and I guess you know you can go around guys sometimes but sometimes you can just go through them um yeah uh, he took took that route and uh you know he took the route of going through them and um I'm not sure uh how long Austin is going to keep uh Judat at uh at scrum half I don't know if that's working out too well for them but uh um so um I mean uh yeah uh but it it was a great try uh you know, yeah, it was it was a great try. There's not not a whole lot more you can say about that in, individual play. Um, again, you know, that's his live. his third try, and uh, it's yeah, third try in three games. And you know, uh, he's playing really well. And you know, hopefully, he can uh, he got the uh, the rest against uh, Utah. Obviously, with the um, you know, so many games in a week, uh, you can only play guys so much. Um, so yeah. he got the rest. But um, you know, he he's been on fire. Hopefully, we see a. Uh, a couple more big games out of him as uh you know the season winds down and we head into the playoffs yeah it's uh he, he they, they he really deserved his break after this game um you know they they really even after that try they really forced possession in into the second half and after the second half uh the arrows scored off a, a delayed penalty you know fergie uh saw fergalicious saw that there was uh the, the delayed penalty he saw that he had a little bit of support out wide so he a little bit of a chip kick and a little bit of deflection and you know, Rob Browner in, in his, in his glory, you know, was able to catch that ball and went into a, you know, quote unquote dive and scored the try. And, 
it was it was nice because he had a really strong game defensively so to see him kind of get reward on the offensive side of the ball and it wasn't really one of those hard prop tries that you know he's probably used to having to score this one was a little bit easier and he was able to put a little bit of finesse to it at the end was uh was pretty nice um and then you know it was just kind of all arrows after that um Kanoa Lloyd who I was been really impressed with in this game um scored another try to give them the bonus point use the same ideology that Levas did and went through instead of around uh Austin was able to score but it was kind of just a too little too late kind of situation um Derek you kind of mentioned him before but you your player of the game was uh was Windsor for sure yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Windsor, I thought, you know, this was a game with, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that, uh, you know, because, you know, with the Arrow schedule, uh, playing three games in eight days, especially the Austin-Utah games only having uh, two days off in between them. Um, there's a lot of guys uh, that, you know, got chances to show up in the lineup that, uh, you know, if the when the arrows are completely healthy or anything, maybe don't necessarily get that shot. I think, uh, and you know, Sean Windsor, I think, was one of the guys that like really took uh, you know, took advantage of that opportunity to be uh, be in the arrows lineup. Um, he, you know, obviously with uh, uh, Theo Sauter, Gaston Mirez, um, he's been kind of bumped down the depth chart a little bit since uh, those guys returned uh, after the ARC, and uh, you know, he he was put in a spot. Uh, to play and got a chance to start, and I think he killed it in this game. Uh, like we said, we, he set up the uh, uh, livest try. Um, he, you know, was you know he was effective. Uh, he was effective underneath the ball. Had a handful of nice takes. Created nice a lot of you know he was able to make a couple decent runs. Uh, create some space for his teammates, and you know defended pretty well as well. So uh, you know it was a pretty solid game from him all around. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. With all of that, he he really did have a strong game, and I just kept, like pushing the sway of possession of the of the game for towards the arrows was really something that he did well. Uh, my player of the game was Andrew Ferguson. Uh, he, I think, had a really really strong game, and, and it's funny. I mean, the last podcast we kind of talked about maybe Jamie McKenzie was taking his uh, was going to take a spot spot as a starter and. And McKenzie did start the, the Legion game. So, you know, that's something that we really said at the end of the last podcast was, well, you know, watch to see who starts that San Diego game because that could be really a teller of who starts the rest of the games. And I really think that uh, uh, Ferguson really shown that he is a very uh, uh, talented and impressive uh, scrum half. I mean, he, he's a little bit more physical than some other scrum halves that I've seen play in MLR. And also he just – uh, he sees the game really well, and I think in this game, something that we complained about before is his his uh, removal of the ball from the ruck and and, and starting the playoff uh, quicker was something that really was highlighted. So, really enjoyed uh, watching him play this game, and also watching him take a couple boots as well was pretty fun too. Uh, so, I really enjoyed watching him play. Uh, I think that he he really was a big help, um, and yeah. we, we needed him in the next game uh, as well. Um, so we'll go right into it, uh, the Utah game. Uh, which was the last game of their of their 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 week long bender of rugby games. Um, yeah, so, it was. Yeah, that, that Legion game feels like it was like three months ago right now. Yeah, yeah, we were doing prep work for this for this episode, and we had to like go back. I had to watch tape. I had to re- yeah, exactly. watch games. <laughs> watch Derek's or read Derek's uh, recap on Layman Sports because man, it was like it felt like it was just eons ago. 
But uh, this Utah game, man, it it looked cold and it was raining and, and Utah. Yeah, the uh, the weather the weather was rough in this one. Uh, definitely definitely didn't help either team. Uh, you know, you had the rain, you had uh, you know the the wind was insane, um, and uh, yeah, I think like the weather ended up being uh, I think one of the uh, one of the stories of the game. I know uh, when I interviewed Sam Malcolm after he said it's like you know you can't control the the conditions and you just gotta basically you just gotta battle through it. Um, and uh, I think like both teams uh, definitely did their best to battle through it, but you can you can you know you can tell at certain points like they were they were struggling. Um, there was there was a lot of knock-ons um, from both sides in this game, and it's like it's just. You know, and and with what the weather was, it's like it's kind of to be expected. Um, you could even see, like, even from up in the press box, you'd see there'd be like, you know, the ball would either get kicked or passed, and it would just you could tell like where that guy was aiming, and then like the wind would just take it somewhere completely different. Um, so yeah, so it's like both both teams ended up having to you know having to battle through that, and uh, you know, so uh, ended up being a pretty uh, pretty decent game. The arrows obviously, you know, did what they had to do. They came out on top. Uh, came out on top with the uh, fort uh, with a bonus point victory. So, uh, you know, not a whole lot to complain about from their point of view right now. No, they, they, they've got to be pretty happy. And, you know, you know, Utah was able to kind of take advantage of the arrow slow start. I mean, uh, yeah. and it is what it is. I mean, like when you play that many games, there's bound to be one game where you don't start on time. Miss um, Leao, Miss Leao, uh, the missile. Utah, the yeah. missile. I'm going to refer to him the yeah, missile I, I, because I, I think that's more like fun. Utah, Utah refers to him as the missile. So yeah. I think, I mean, we, uh, you know, for marketing purposes, Major League Rugby needs some solid nicknames. So, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that's up there right now across the league. Yeah, I mean, he, I remember watching him play in Seattle last year, you know, coming off the bench. But uh, the missile kind of uh, took advantage of a kickoff and uh, after lots of forced pressure, uh, the Brazilian Bergo, who actually was slotted into the, the starting lineup after, you know, after the, they were displeased with their last game, which, I mean, there's a lot to be displeased about when you mm-hmm. tie, a, tie a record that you previously set, you know, earlier in the season. Yeah, by themselves. By them, by themselves. Uh, so, you know, he, that, that, that was the interesting thing, though. It's like, you know, even after uh, putting, uh, getting uh, 64 points put up on them in the second time, they only made uh, two changes to the uh, starting lineup. So, yeah. Burgo was one of them, but uh, yeah, they, they uh, Utah really uh, kind of stuck to their guns there, and uh, you know we're only, doubling only down. Changes. We're doubling down. Damn it! It can't happen a third time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean the arrows kind of they are, they, they are like dealing with some injuries though, so I don't know how much uh, choice they really have in the matter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not do, not everyone have some injuries. Yeah, so, not everyone I, has has the same depth as you know. As the arrows, or even teams like NOLA or, or now Seattle, yeah. holy moly! Um, and, uh, but yeah, the arrows kind of uh, like Utah played bad in this game either. They like no, those, and like yeah. that's the thing too is you know you can even say it to Austin to a certain extent before you know conditioning kind of took took its course in the second half, but they played a close game and they were strong defensively. It's just you know mm-hmm. the arrows and and I think the big difference in some of these teams is. The difference makers, you know, the the guys that are that are just that next level of talent, and one of the guys I'm about to mention is just one of those guys. I mean, uh, Morgan Mitchell was just a difference maker in this game, and he really, 
cause problems for for their their scrum, especially uh, Vandenberg, their uh, their tight head prop who ended up actually going off from injury. Uh, you know, they, they he drew draws a penalty and then and then he just bulldozes, you know, two or three yeah. guys to score the try. So. Yeah, but, know, he, Vandenberg was hurting after that uh, that first scrum that the uh, the arrows used to kind of put them in the uh, position there, and uh, so like, he, he was kind of hurting before Mitchell hit him on on route to scoring that try. But uh, yeah, yeah that, that pretty much that finished him off though. And I mean, uh, when uh, yeah Mitchell uh, even before that, like uh, you know Mitchell was dominating Vandenberg in the scrum, uh, and you know he, he, uh, he was just. Like that's what the arrows were kind of gaining penalties, and this was uh, this has been one thing that I, I mean, that was like really great to see out of the, uh, you know, both the Austin and the um, Utah games. So, like the arrows scrum was amazing, um, like completely throughout. I know, uh, you know, we uh, depending on how in order you want to speak about the events in this game, but obviously we are going to get to that penalty try later, and uh, we're like, you know, the scrum just kind of. You know, put Utah on some skates and just like glided them back yeah. across. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. That penalty try and stuff, and it was just like their, uh, their their scrum was amazing. And you know, a big uh, and that you know, a big part of that was definitely uh, Morgan Mitchell against Utah. So, uh, yeah, huge game from him. Yeah, and, and again, like he's just a difference maker for the arrows. He's just someone that just he has that talent to you know, change, change a game. And uh, unfortunately, I think, I think Utah's got those players like Don Patty is just an incredible player. And, yeah. you know, they've, they've got uh, Gannon Moore. Oh my goodness. Like I think Gannon Moore is be slowly becoming one of my favorite Eagles. Just like the way he plays the game. He's such a strong player. And I, I've really enjoyed what he, he has. I think, I think what they need to do is just kind of, they're in a different position than Houston or Austin. I think they've got the talent. I think it comes down to just being patient uh, and I've heard it before from some of uh, the other you know, reporters of, of, of Major League Rugby is they've got a strong academy program. Just be patient. They've got the fans that, you know, they, they've had one of the highest attendances in the league. You know, be patient. Yeah, through, it's coming. Uh, that that you know, too is through like snowstorms and the team. Yeah. Utah, Utah and their, their contingent of Mormons, they show up no matter what. But I mean, again, like the arrows, uh, the, you know, they, they, they continue to kind of play, force the play. Uh, the arrows then became, became victims of questionable refereeing. Um, when a short advantage was called, uh, I don't, Windsor kind of made a, tried to make a pass. And, and one of the guys that I kind of mentioned before about not being game ready was John Sheridan. Uh, and leading up to this, tr- this try for Utah, I kind of noticed that he really didn't have the best sense on the offensive side of the game of where he was going to be. Cause there was a couple of errant passes that kind of went off with either he wasn't in the right timing. So he, he, it went past them or if it was, it was a knock on me. Like, There's a couple of times where he was cousin wasn't, wasn't in the best position. And I thought about, you know, writing up this big, huge, you know, uh, script about, you know, how dare he blah, 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 you know, didn't have his best game. But you know it, it is it's hard because one he's being put into a game. I mean I can't I don't even remember his last game that he played. I I go uh, back to maybe their 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 first game against the SaberCats, which would have been like their like fifth game of the season. 
if I, even if I got that right, like that, that was a long time ago. So for him to come in, good on him. This obviously was not a good play for him. Um, you know, the missile grabbed it and scored, and it, it was it was part Those... questionable refing and part just unfortunately not being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, that was uh, that like I think uh, I think the the arrows definitely had uh, had a right to be uh, like Sam Malcolm went straight up to that ref. And, uh, you know, I think the arrows had a right to definitely be upset on that. Um, the, you know, the, the ref signals advantage and they throw two passes that ult- like ultimately were like pretty flat. And it's not like they, you know, they didn't well, really gain anything from them. Yeah. That's the thing um, that bothered me. And, and, you know, it just, uh, you know, ends up being a drop ball that I, I mean, obviously, you know, good on Utah to like, you know, uh, pounce on it and run it back, but, uh, you know, play to the whistle and all that. But, um, if uh yeah it was just it was a bizarre it was a bizarre play like it was bizarre that like there wasn't the because the ref clearly signals advantage and then it's gone but it was like all that's really happened was there was um yeah like there's just the two passes and like they had it's not like they really gained any significant ground on those two passes um so yeah that was just it was a bizarre call call for sure i think that's what bothers me the most about it is that Mm-hmm. How much possession did they actually really even get? Like, I'd be, I'd be hard to find if they even made ten meters. Like, it, it was yeah, a really, really strange. It wasn't a phase after gaining advantage. It was just the two passes. And yeah, there, there wasn't a tackle. There was, there, there was nothing. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it was very strange. But you know, yeah. say la vie. Um, you know, after it, uh, Utah scored another penalty kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is. They 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 kind of. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Before that, I mean, after after uh, after a bunch of uh, plays of, of of strong forcing Utah into their own end, um, Utah was assessed a yellow card for being like extremely offside. That the guy, the guy was like part of a tackle that was like, you know, five meters away. Yeah. And came back yeah. and actively got in the way of the pass. You know, it was definitely a yellow card, and and it was a good one, and. After two, dominating two scrums, you know, Sheridan redeemed himself and scored to try to close the distance to one going into half. So, you know, he redeemed himself and played really, and you know, finished off the half very well. He, he uh, yeah, I was going to say, what he had well, to do. I was going to say when you're going on that rant there, I'm like, you do know he scores a try in like ten minutes, right? I know um, this was more of a. Uh, I was trying to <laughs> balance that inner hatred that I had at that that point when that try was scored. I'm like. Oh, this is like the third time in a row where you weren't in the right spot. God damn it! But yeah, and, uh, it, it but, was uh, it was redeemed. I will say that. Well, yeah, like Part that 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 try again though. Like that was um, you know, obviously with uh, Uhila um in the bin there. Um, it took a guy. It took one of their locks out of the scrum. So they went with the the first scrum that they had. They went with seven guys, and the arrows obliterated it. Um, oh, so yeah. in the the second time they brought in the missile to you know be on the flank there and uh, they arrows obliterated it. But because yeah. they brought they brought in the winger, it was just it was uh you know that was a pretty uh pretty easy decision from Ferguson to go to uh um or sorry McK- that McKenzie still at that point um, yeah pretty easy for him to uh you know to go to um to share it in there yeah um well you know what. <laughs> This is one of the things is I, I've actually watched John Sheridan a lot. Uh, he used to play uh, in the Ontario College's uh, Rugby League. Uh, he played for Humber College, and he played a lot against uh, my roommates who all played for Trent University, who at the time was playing the college level. 
So mm-hmm. I saw him, I think, two or three times in the, the provincial final, and he would always be leading the league in points because his teammates would score, like, a huge amount of tries, and he was always the kicker for points. Yeah. So it was always frustrating to see him be the leader in points and then and always see them beat Trent in the OCAA final. So I just have this lingering, like, hatred for John Sheridan. Just this because, undeserved uh, hatred for John Sheridan because he was a kicker this, on a good No, no, no. This is, it is very well deserved. He deserves <laughs> his hate. He knows what he did. And I just, I'm just carrying on to this crutch. But that's fine. There he scored go. a so, try. He's, well, he's fine. Whatever. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. There you go. We're, we're peeling back that onion of hatred. That's what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, I, th- I think that's just some, like, unseated, like, Trent losing a lot of rugby games upsetness there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> what One year we got screwed out of it, and the first year I – my it was my first year at Trent. The first year they just, like, dominated us. And it was just – it was just, oh, so, so bad. That's what we should do for a podcast episode. Just dive into uh, some of the rugby woes of, you know, your past there. Oh God, that's 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 a well. We'll have to do that at the end of this season when I yeah. when I played a couple of games for my club, and then I'll have more yeah. stories. That, Special to five cry hour, five hour <laughs> podcast. I'll start writing about it now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, going to the second half, Utah scored another penalty kick to kind of push that lead a little bit. Um, but then after that, Toronto's in this game, it, it was a deep bench came into play. You know, Mike mm-hmm. Shepard came on. Uh, Rob Browner came on and Dan Moore came on and it kind of just Shepherd, Mike Shepard started this game. Did Shepard start this Utah? game? Yeah, Utah won. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, uh, and then it was Brower, Chiellini, and Moore came on. Chiellini, yeah. Sorry, my fault. My fault. Yeah. Got got my uh, got one of the three games of yeah. the week mixed up. Shepard, uh, yeah, Shepard came on for uh, Josh Van Horn at was half, it the Austin, Austin game? Austin, yeah, the Austin game. Okay, my fault. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of rugby in the last week. A lot of, I mean, you're, you're, lot you're, of rugby. you're probably still just thinking about the, uh, the, the some of the poor memories that we just brought back. So right. I'll forget. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's keep talking about other <laughs> rugby that makes me mad. Talk about the national teams play, and then we'll talk and get me mad. Uh, but, um, yeah, they, they really did, kind of did make a big difference. I mean, uh, Dan, Dan Moore's presence on the field no matter what, either defensively or just – some of the the line uh, plays that he makes when he when he takes you know two or three guys to tackle him down and he makes you know ten meters off of a play and you know Cellini is just a strong guy a, run, a ball carrier and also just a strong tackler as well so he he played well and and Brower I mean he, his his you know experience is just indispensable in the scrum so they kind yeah, of gave was, the arrows a big push. Yeah, absolutely. That was like Brower's first big impact in the game too. When he came on, so they still had a uh, Quatrain and Mitchell were still in the game, and uh, you know, like Brower was on for that. Like, I think they got that penalty try about like two or three. Brower came back on, uh, maybe a little bit faster than that. What time was the penalty try? At? Yeah, five minutes after Brower came on. Um, so like, and that was, and you know, that that front row just. Or the entire scrum just obliterated uh, Utah again on that play. So oh yeah, it wasn't um, even fair. Like it was, it was just a like like you said the hockey yeah. skates thing. Like they just pushed them. Yeah, exactly. It was just like they just were sliding the whole time, and uh, 
you know, very, very, like, you know, well-deserved penalty try there. And, uh, the, yeah, like, you, there's, you can't definitely cannot complain about any of the Euro scrummaging over the last three games. No. And, uh, you know, it's been amazing the last, but in the last week. So they played three games in a week, and that's still kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was amazing throughout the entire stretch, and even with uh, even with a lot of these guys like you know playing uh, playing some insane minutes um, over the course of the three days between uh, Austin and then Utah as well. Yeah, and again, like credit to where credits due as well. Pat Lynott, who uh, had his first start of the year as well uh, at the, the tight end position, played very well as so you know. Credit where credit's due, but I mean, Brower yeah, really no, made a difference in, well, yeah, uh, I mean, in that penalty try. Scrum was dominant with Lineot in there, too. It's not like it was just, uh, you know, I mean, Brow- Brower came on with, I guess, uh, some, some of fresh legs there, and it just they, they just crushed them even more. But uh, yeah, like the, the arrows pack, even like with Lineot, Lineot had a great game, too, in my opinion. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was just. It's you know Sam Brower came on and made a big impact as a knock against Lynott. It's just like the first thing Brower did was you know help push over a penalty try. So yeah, but the scrum was dominant the entire first half with Lynott in there as well. Yeah, um, you know, and and I think one of the things too is the next thing that happened was the arrows had to be on defense. Uh, you know, it was a long goal I stand. Arrows really. Were played very very well. I mean, the Arrow, uh, Utah ended up just kicking for points to tie the game. They didn't want to try and go for the for the 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 the, the line out. They just said, okay, we'll kick for points and then we'll try to see what happens after. Yeah, and, and I mean that that comes back to what we were saying at the start of the podcast, though. It's like you know, I think teams uh team teams know that you know that you know if they keep if they build up enough phases, the defense will probably get penalized at some point just because of the way like you know this league is called. And I think that's basically what Utah did there. It's like well, they might as well try it, and then uh, you know you're like you might as well try it. And eventually, you know they did build up some phases. The arrows played some great D. Uh, there was uh, you know some big hits from Shepard. Uh, uh, Malcolm had a nice hit. Mirrors, Moonlight, they all had uh, nice plays during that stand. But you know ultimately uh, they were offside at some point there. And uh, you know Utah, I think you know that's that. I think that's part of the like, you know the decision. And then obviously that offside was pretty much right in the middle of the field. So uh, it made the, uh, you know. Tough to pass up that kick, especially when you just struggled to score. So I think they did end up taking that. But uh, I mean, it would have been interesting to see if they tried to go for a try, and maybe you know, maybe this game ends a little bit differently. But um, maybe. But I mean, I think the arrows' defense was solid, and you know, I think uh, I think like that it speaks volumes to it that Utah didn't want to try that again. Yeah, again, you got to think though is like time management as well. It's like, do you want to spend more time, you know? crashing and, and, and rocking and, and, you know, punishing your body to try and score one try, knowing that the arrows then had all that time left to score against them again. Like, it's like you, you weigh the positive and the negatives of, of doing that because you, you don't want to tire yourself out. And then who knows if, if you do score a try, maybe the arrows score two because you're even more tired from trying to score. I mean, that penalty was in the 68th minute. I mean, that's that's 12 minutes to try and score one or two tries that they would then have to play defense off of. So I, I definitely see why they went for it. And, I mean, after waves of attacks, you know, the Arrows did see an overlap and they, like, they took advantage. I mean, it's something that the Arrows do well. You know, mm-hmm. Malcolm, who was playing with the C today, uh, or, or, or when, when Utah, uh, when the, in the Utah game, 
know, he, he just saw this perfect little hole. People were calling in for him. He held on, held on. The last minute just popped it out to, uh, to Spencer Jones, who just took care of the rest and just gave the arrows a lead. And it was, it was just a really smart play. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the Levas game, uh, try before uh, the game before where, you know, it, it uh, went through a lot of guys. It was just solid team passing. They saw the overlap. They got the ball out and they were able to take care of business. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's that's basically exactly what uh, Spencer Jones, Jones said happened too. It was just, you know, uh, they uh, they worked some phases there to get, uh, you know, into the U- Utah's territory. And then, you know, eventually that did create the overlap there. And as soon as like, uh, you know, like we talked about at the San Diego's like send after the uh, San Diego Legion game there, we, uh, you know, Sam Malcolm does an amazing job of uh, being able to set guys up in spots that they can attack holes in the defense. And, you know, he just, he was able to do that again, where he's like, you know, once they saw the overlap, he put the ball in a perfect spot where, you know, Jones can hit it with pace, get the ball in his hand and just, you know, uh, you know, finish off the play there. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, you know, uh, this is just another, you know, another amazing game from Sam Malcolm too. Uh, you know, he made, made that play there. He was uh, instrumental again in like, you know, all the, you know, the territory and the possession that the arrows were able to have. And somehow in that insane weather with all that wind and the pouring rain went three for three kicking. So, um, you know, this, yeah, it's just another amazing game for him. Yeah. Just, and then, and then he, he's something that it's funny. We both actually wanted to say, something about him as the player of the game. So, uh, you know, the game ended off of him again. You know, huge tackle of again, someone I really like, uh, Gannon Moore. And the the weight difference and the height difference between these two guys and, and, and Malcolm just drove, drove, drove his legs in, into the, the try zone and they finished the game off. And, you know, it, he's someone that both of us wanted to say was a player of the game. So who was someone else, Derek, that you thought – earned that 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 name as well yeah i'll just uh just want to add on to the malcolm thing too is i think like over the past like few games i think it's like you know like i think it's like really kind of showing us like how great sam malcolm's defense actually is um and uh you know i think that's been like really starting to like really starting to be like shining through as like the season goes on um he made uh obviously he made that massive hit um, on on mortar, send him all the way back to the end goal area in order to uh, you know to end the game there. But like he he makes a lot of like big hits um, like throughout the game too. Like he's always in really good defensive position. Um, he's a pretty he's a really sure tackler. He doesn't miss a whole lot. Um, but uh, but yeah, like his defensive ability is like, is incredible. Um, and, you know, I think it's part of the reason why, like, I think he's, like, developing to be, like, one of the more uh, elite players in MLR. And, uh, you know, it's a solid dude for the Arrows to have. Um, but uh, in regards to another player, I think you got to kind of give it to Mitchell. Um, we we did t- uh, talk about it a little bit earlier. He was completely dominant in the scrums. Obviously, he had the massive, you know, the massive juggernaut-esque uh, tribe just bowling over a bunch of people. Um, really, especially the Vandenberg who took the brunt of that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just an outstanding game for him. He's completely dominant again in every aspect of it. And you know, when you actually when you uh, you manage to score a try while com- being completely dominant in the scrum, it also kind of elevates your man of the match status there too. But um, yeah, but you know, uh, the usual suspects I think are also all amazing in this game. Shepard was great. Shepard 
absolutely destroyed Reeves at the end of the game. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, that was one of, like, bef- just before Malcolm uh, ended it, uh, that was probably the biggest hit I've seen an arrow throw all year. And um, I don't even know if that there's much of an argument on that one. So I really can't think of another. If you can think of another hit that was bigger than that off the top of the head, your head, I would love to hear it. I think um, uh, I think he just has some like some pent up rage about the uh, ARC game versus Canada Brazil <laughs> that he's just like, oh, you screwed us over, and then bam, that's that's where he wanted to yeah, take his revenge. Yeah, exactly. He remembered something from it, but that's I mean that's another thing. It's like I think like uh, Mike Shepard is playing his way like onto this World Cup team. Um, oh, I think I honestly I thought he had <laughs> I thought he had that that spot lined up in the repechage tournament. I thought that I mean mm-hmm. he, he came off the bench and then started the last two games. I I thought that that spot was never in question. I think that he yeah, then, uh, he's, you know, he he's proved even more right now. Yeah, and then he uh, he didn't end up playing you know all throughout the ARC there, but um, yeah, I think like I would be. You know, I'd be shocked if he wasn't going to Japan at the end of the year here. Yeah, uh, I would. I, Mr. Shepard, start practicing your your Japanese now, please. I think he's. It's it's a guarantee. Uh, I think he's, he's going to be there. You know, at the, like I don't know, like how much you know weight everybody wants to put into some of these, like you know, first like fifteen of the weeks awards and stuff like that. But like you know, Shepard's got six in a row right now. So, yeah. like being named to the you know the MLR first fifteen team. Um, so like he's he, like he's just he's been insanely good. He played 120 minutes of rugby over um, you know, over the course of three days here, and you know like I said like at the end of that he still had all the energy for that big defensive stand, and you know ended up with the highlight real hit. Uh, you know to close that out. Um, yeah. You know, other guys that we mentioned too. I thought Rob Brower once you know once he came in made an immediate impact. He obviously. You know, and again, like that's another dude that played a ton of rugby in the last three days as well. Um, you know, and he, you know, he had a try against uh, Austin, and then he, you know, he was really, really solid coming in in uh, in uh, out of the reserves uh, against Utah, and you know, made a made a big impact right away. Continuing to have a big impact throughout the rest of the game too. Yeah, and again, the guy that I wanted to focus on is just another guy, another one of those guys that really he played almost all of the, if not all of the games, uh, John Moonlight, he, mm-hmm. he's been a really, really impressive player. Uh, not only just on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. And it's funny, you know, after that, that very first game against uh, Nola, where he scored the very first arrows try and, you know, he was playing out in the wings and, you know, he, he was, he was basically like, you know, a, a, an extra back. And I thought that's how it was going to be. I'm like, okay, you know, let's have, let's have, you know, a free flowing uh, flanker, you know, Let's have him embrace the seven side of the ball and, and give him an extra option. I like the idea of having that extra, you know, pressure to give the wings an ability to go out and uh, be aggressive and play and, and have a flanker. He's got the speed to kind of cover that, that spot. But, uh, you know, since he's come back and played here in Canada after his, his time firefighting, I know he still firefights, but uh, mm. he's really, you know, settled down the, the defensive side of the ball for, uh, Toronto, you know, he's, he's aggressive. And it's one of the things that we mentioned about the, the arrows uh, defense in that San Diego game is he is just off of that line just so quickly. And he's been in a really impressive player for me. And I saw it a lot in this Utah game. He, 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 he runs the ball with the ball hard. And I think maybe he's something that may, someone, maybe rugby Canada should take into consideration as well. I mean, whether or not he actually wants to go to the world cup is one thing, but uh 
as you know as a, as an impact sub or you know one of the guys that they want to play against you know if they have to have a team b because i know that's something they talk about because they've got some games that are really close and they don't want to start all their starters against a team like south africa because then they have italy like a couple days out you know like five days after and they really want to beat italy so you know moonlight is he's got the experience of being at a world cup you know he's played against some of the best player you know rugby players in the world i don't see any reason why maybe they don't see if there's any interest on his behalf to maybe go throw on the Canada jersey one more time and kind of finish off his, his rugby playing career in, in September. I think that might be something that it'd be interesting to see if Rugby Canada does it because, I mean, he's obviously shown he's a machine, so I don't see any reason why they can't think about that as, a, as an option. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I think that's uh, the one, one thing that he's been – you know, kind of really showing is like Canada has some options at a handful of positions here. Um, so, uh, like you know, Kingsley Jones has uh, has some decisions to be made in the uh, you know the coming months here. Uh, who knows what Kingsley Jones is thinking? I mean, the Pacific Nations Cup is going to be very interesting because I, I'll I'll be really mm-hmm. interested to see who who they end up picking and. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move on now to the, uh, some of the Canada rugby news that's been going on the last couple of weeks. And it, it kind of has to do with Kingsley Jones a little bit uh, because the first thing we want to talk about is Jeff Hassler has uh, signed with the Seattle Seawolves. Now, if you're not familiar with Hassler, he was a like, mainstay on the, 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 the national team for Canada. Extremely talented uh, uh, winger. Former uh, Pro 14 uh, Man of the Year. I mean, the man was uber talented, and he actually was, uh, about a year ago, uh, about to sign a deal with the Harlequins and then retired. He just quit. You know, he ended up uh, – I remember seeing that he played for for Canada in, like, this old boys tournament in Barbados and then spent the rest of his time uh, uh, sailing. Yeah, he likes sailing boats, apparently. So he, like, sailed in South Africa for, so for yeah. six months. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, and there's something I, I asked them, you know, okay, yeah, he signs with Seattle, but does this mean he's going to try and make a run for the World Cup again? And, you know, people are like, well, if he's playing professional rugby, you know, he's got to be trying to go for the World Cup. And the only thing I can say is, I mean, this guy's a wild card. Again, he just spent the last six months sailing. So who knows what's going on in his brain. Now, I'm assuming that that is the case. He probably does want to play for Rugby Canada. So that that's a really big – it's big for MLR and for Rugby Canada for two reasons. Uh, one, it's a big pull because, he again, he is a former Pro 14 Man of the Year. Like, he, he has the pedigree of, a, of, a, of an international player. I mean, he, he really has – shown on the international stage and in the club stage that he is a strong performer. And I think that this is, mm-hmm. it's a big get for, for major league rugby and it's big for Canada because there are a good amount of Canadians playing over in, uh, in, in Europe that, uh, you know, might be near the end of, end of their careers. I mean, Taylor Paris and, you know, Connor Hearns, you know, they're, they're getting up there in age and maybe they want to come, play a little bit of rugby here in North America. Maybe they want to see if 
they can motivate someone to start a team somewhere else in Canada, maybe Vancouver or maybe somewhere that we'll mention in, in a little bit. I mean, it's, it, it is, it's starting to kind of build some uh, blocks. And I mean, other players have signed as well. Uh, Samu Manoa, who is an extremely, extremely talented um, uh, an American and also someone that, that you're really <laughs> excited for as well that uh, signed with uh, Rugby United for next year. Uh, yeah, you know, the uh, thing is like the big news there, uh, Matthew uh, Bastereau, uh, the, you know, the big French center, uh, he at uh, science, I just think, you know, it's just uh, it's a massive name to bring to the league. Um, you know, that guy's, uh, you know, if you if you think of the French team, he's probably the first one of the first players that comes to your brain if you're thinking about that team. Um, so it's like, you know, to see uh, – you know, to see some of these guys, like even even to uh, Hassler and uh, Manoa play for like Northampton and stuff. It's like there's uh um like you know there's some. It's good to see that there's some like really being you know, big name players and apparently uh Bassero like was really um you know was really adamant about wanting to play for New York. Um, so it, like it's it's great to see like you know guys of that caliber, even if they're you know even if they are like you know in the stages of like maybe winding down their careers and stuff. Um. At least, yeah, you know, it's great to see that these guys have interests in it, even if it is just, you know, you, uh, you want to live in New York and play some rugby, just, you know, to get that like life experience or whatever, whatever yeah. his reasons, uh, whatever his reasons are for uh, coming over and stuff. It's like, that's great to see. And then, you know, like it's one of those things, it's like, you know, you kind of hope with the, some of these guys, like that's like a great way to just, I think, you know, just build like, you know, almost like word of mouth about the league. Um, you know, you hope, uh, you know, you, you hope like, you know, you go through it, you have all the franchises, you know, they treat the players well, the players have fun and stuff. Hopefully they, you know, they tell their, like, you know, their friends and things like that. Um, you know, like hopefully like, you know, Ben Foden's really yeah. enjoying his time in New York and I hope he you know, passes that message along to like some of his, uh, you know, his former England teammates or, um, anything, and, you know, maybe some of those guys, if they're like, you know, maybe if they're not quite up to the premiership level anymore, they can come over here and help, um, you know, help develop uh, major league rugby, help bring some of those bigger names to the sport and stuff. And, you know, the, uh, MLS for, you know, for a while kind of, you know, uh, you know, really kind of developed a lot when, uh, you know, Beckham came over, um, you know, even though that again was at the twilight of his career, but it was just, you know, to have a guy, of that caliber, you know, to come through um, and uh, have a guy of that caliber, to, you know, come through the league, really raise the profile of the league in general. And, you know, even, uh, even to, to another extent too, uh, Utah, even though he hasn't played yet, Utah signed uh, Adam Thompson. I mean, like, you know, that's, yeah. that's an all black, like, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can sell tickets just based on the fact, like, you know, come see an all black. Um, Cause you know, I mean, I've, uh, you know, been a, Canadian rugby fan for a while the all blacks have never come to Canada um so I mean you know like uh so you know the Maori all blacks have obviously been here but like the full uh but like the Maori all blacks have obviously been here but the you know the all blacks themselves haven't um so but like you know you don't necessarily get an opportunity to watch some of these guys all the time and you know even guys uh like uh you know San Diego's Patty Ryan um you know those those guys can come over it's like you know and maybe they you know, pass on the word to some of these guys that are in, you know, their former super rugby players and, you know, that, uh, in, you know, just want a new experience playing rugby. You can play in some, you know, some of the world-class cities that, 
um, MLR has franchises in. Um, so it might just be, you know, just a bent, like the more of these guys, I just think the more of these guys in the league, uh, you know, just kind of the better it like helps just grow the brand. Also just kind of grows the brand, like just on a worldwide scale. Cause I'm sure there's like, you know, maybe there's a lot of French fans that are kind of, you know, maybe some of them didn't even realize, you know, North America had a league and are now just, you know, now are very aware that North America has yeah. a pro rugby league. Um, so I mean, just kind of, I think it's just it better for just like growing the whole, the brand as a whole, and then you know. The, and I, I bet I bet, um, you, there, I bet you there is some when uh, New York goes to different, different as the visiting team goes to different towns, you will see lots of French jerseys at the, at uh, at, uh, at the games because he's just he is someone and like you said at the beginning of what you're saying, he is someone that I, I look at the the French team. And he's one of the guys that I just think of immediately. Like, he's just an incredible talent. And he is near the end of the career. But, I mean, he's like 31 years old. I mean, he's still got plenty of rugby left. And I think you hit the nail on the head is MLR has the ability to pull people in because not only is it a new league, so it's exciting and it's something to say that you were a part of, but also just the places. I mean, New Orleans, Mm -hmm. Toronto, Seattle's an amazing place, San Diego, New York. Uh, Atlanta next year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Washington, these are all places that, you know, are, people would love to go play. Like it's, it, it's, it's something that's going to pull people in. And Dude, I mean, yeah, like literally, literally every city uh, in major league rugby is awesome. Um, you know, uh, you can't really like, even like, you know, like you have Glendale, like Colorado is like world renowned, especially like in the winter. Uh, you know, they basically created every like ex- like their sporting background yeah. is great, you know, um, as well. Like they basically created the Winter X Games, and that's uh, in that state. They uh, obviously have you know like you know they have a uh, professional team in like every uh, major sport in the state, and, um, so it's an amazing like sporting city and stuff as well. Um, Austin, you know, Austin, Houston, just you know like Texas in general has a lot of appeal. Like you even see, like, you, you even kind of every now and then, too, it's like you'll see on Twitter, even, like, you know, some, like, if a game's on Friday night in, like, Houston, you kind of get, like, the Friday night lights jokes and stuff. Because um, it's like, you know, you can, you like, people, like, you know, like, Texas shows up so often in, like, pop culture and things that it gets that worldwide yeah. attention that, you know, like, you may, like, a show like Friday Night Lights has, like, uh, a lot of, like, records can, like, use that as, like, branding and things like that. It's not, like... You know, so like there's there's right now there's nine great cities uh, within uh, Major League Rugby, and then there's you know there's gonna be another three next year too. Um, so yeah, like hopefully, like hopefully that does appeal to some guys. Um, and then you know like you're even uh you know you're even just in general like you're opening up some doors too. I uh, Canada just announced uh, that they're gonna play Leinster uh, in August, and it's like you know like that's the thing too. Like if they're gonna bring over like an um, like, you know, that's the thing too. It's like, maybe like some of those guys, um, can come over, for, uh, can come over and be like, you know, you know, show them a good time, just like in Canada as a whole. And, you know, maybe like plant the seed. That's like, yeah, if it doesn't like work out for you in Ireland or, you know, pro 14 or wherever you're going to play after, like, you know, if you, maybe even if you're like an Academy player or something, it's just trying to crack the big lineup, but you can't quite do it yet. Maybe like the MLR is like a place that you can consider, um, to help like you exactly. know, develop your career and everything. Uh, and I understand yeah, people's so worry. I understand people's you know, worries I mean, about 
I know MLR is supposed to be a league that develops American players and develops Canadian players. But at the end of the day, what's going to develop these players and the reason why Canada and the U.S. have they plateaued for a certain amount of years is you need outside help to help develop the game. Uh, and one example I want to quickly talk about is it's, it's, you look at uh, hockey, especially, and, and the impact that it's had in Great Britain. Uh, for years, Great Britain had hockey, mm, had pro yeah. leagues, but it wasn't really going anywhere. Um, and then about 20 years ago, Great Britain decided that they were going to heavily invest in trying to scout former players or pre- former pros from the NHL and the AHL to come over. They pay for them to live there, help develop the, the program, and uh, spread mm-hmm. the, the wealth. I mean, Theo Fleury, uh, Theoran Fleury was someone that uh, you know my dad grew up watching, I, and I got to watch the tail end of his career. He went over and played for Belfast. You know, like that's that's something that they yeah. invested in. And if you look now, this is the first year that uh, Great Britain has a hockey team at the IIHF World Championships. I mean, they just played Canada. Uh, a couple days ago. So if you want a sport to grow, you need to have yeah. outside sources coming in and helping you. Uh, and it, it, you look at as, as many talented Canadian players yeah. that we have on the arrows, and, look at I, and the, even... the, you know, the New Zealanders and the Uruguayans that are really making an impact and helping the arrows succeed. Yeah, exactly. But uh, like, that's the thing too, is like, it helps with the, uh, like, I think for things like that too, it helps with the, uh, just you know, just in general, like everybody's development. Like I mean, you know, if you're gonna have uh, like Bassero, uh, you know, a player like Bassero coming over here and um, you know playing in Major League Rugby, it's like there's gonna be you know, especially like the centers or the other backs on New York are going to significantly benefit from having that guy in their training sessions every day. Um, you know, uh, he's going to make other players in Major League Rugby better just because they have to play against them. Yeah. Figure out how to defensively, you know, how do you stop a guy of this caliber? Like, that's, you know, what you have to feel like. like that's what, you know, that's what Spencer oh, Jones' God. job is going to be next year. <laughs> he's got to figure out, yeah. you know, he needs a way to stop him, right? So, it's like, that's what, that, that, that's going to make Spencer Jones a better player just because he gets the opportunity to like you know yeah. line up across like an elite player, um, in right. So it's like he's that's going to be better. But I also think like too, it's like you know, um, you know, Major League Rugby. It's like obviously you want to develop those players. But it it is a, it is a business. It is an entertainment um, product that they need to make and put on the field. I mean, you look at like I saw a lot of people get mad about Austin this year and how they they did have a lot of international players. I'm like, okay, so do you want to have a team? that can compete or do you want to have a team that has a bunch of guys that are American, but can't always, that won't be able to perform the same level. Like you need to be able to balance both. And I think that MLR has done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, since you brought in the, uh, the hockey comparison there with, um, Great Britain's, uh, team, uh, like I, I used to work for an OHL team, when Connor McDavid was in the league and, you know, you could just see like the spike in ticket sales for the games that Connor McDavid would play in. Um, you know, we had people <laughs> would like scalp OHL tickets because Connor McDavid was in the game. 
Um, like it's just like just the profile that that guy was able to bring, and I don't I don't think he played in front of a crowd yeah. that wasn't sold out the entire year, and that like you know that includes teams that were like perennially like you know hovering around maybe a couple, like a yeah. thousand the 2000 people in attendance, Connor McDavid would show up and that same arena has like 5,000 people at it just because like people would pay this to go like, go see Connor McDavid and to go bring that in. And, you know, like, I think, you know, when you bring in guys, even like, you know, whether it's Bastro, whether it's like Samuel Manoa, like, you know, when you bring in guys that have that like international uh, recognition, um, like you, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, the people, like, fans are going to want to pay to go see those guys. And that could even be, like, you know, if you're, like, talking to your friends and, you know, maybe you have, like, uh, everybody probably has friends that aren't rugby fans um, that, you know, everybody wants to try to get more people in the sport, bring more friends out to the sport. And, like, I guarantee you, it's like, you know, some of the conversations next year when people are trying to, you know, bring more more friends and family out to the games. It's like one of the things, like, I'm sure, like, you know, someone's going to use, like, hey, Toronto plays right. New York this weekend. Guess who they have on their team or whatever. We, sh- we should go watch this guy. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, you're not watching – Toronto you're not cheering for Toronto it's just it's an extra thing to be like you know if you can go to if you can only make it to one arrows game maybe next year it's something for other for financial reasons or for any other reason you know maybe you're maybe you start looking at like you know New York um just because of you know uh you know just because of a certain superstar elite player that they have um similarly to like you know any other team right it's like um there's there's nothing wrong with you know marketing star players and you know, as a league and, you know, maybe, you know, you want people to be like, you know, you want other people, other fans of other teams to be like, oh, we gotta go, you know, we gotta go watch the arrows. Cause it's like, you know, especially, Hey, we're on the, we're in, we're in the Western conference this year. So this is our only chance to go see, uh, you know, it's the only chance to go see Mike Shepard or, uh, you know, Sam Malcolm, or, yeah. uh, Dan Moore, or Lucas Rumble, or like, you know, and you need like, you know, those, <laughs> those fans in Seattle, do you want them like kind of thinking like that? Right. Like if you can build up some of these guys to like this, that's almost yeah. like that superstar status. Um, like, you know, like that helps to sell tickets as well. But it's like when you're being handed guys that already like when you're being handed guys as a league that like are not necessarily handed guys. I'm sure there was a lot of work that went into actually getting these deals signed and stuff. Um, but, you know, like when these guys are going to fall into your league, it's like you kind of have to take advantage of that. And it's like, you know, I hope like, I hope when New York comes to town, wherever they play, it's like, you know, you see that like bump in attendance, um, whether it's, you know, the die, die hard rugby fans that just want to see him play. Um, Cause you know, like quite frankly, like, you know, a lot of those tier one nations don't necessarily play a ton of games in Canada um, or North America. So it's like, you don't like, you don't necessarily have a chance to watch some of these guys in this cal uh, of that caliber. So I know, like, I know next year, like, I mean, I go to every arrows game anyways, but like, you know, I think like that would be a game yeah. that I try to convince other people to go to just because, you know, you can see this player and in like, you know, you can see a player of Bastard yeah. caliber in the game. And it's like, it's just an added thing to sell tickets. Just like what all those OHL teams did with Connor McDavid is it's like, you know, it's like, Hey man, cause you could literally, it's great. Cause it's like, you can, you can use that to sell anything. Let's, you know, even teams like when McDavid was in the league, like the last place teams were selling out games because people just wanted to yeah. watch one guy on the op- opposing team. And like, you know, it just it helps everybody. Everybody gets helped when there's elite talent in the league. 
especially when you like they're marketable and can do everything um like from yeah a for sure standpoint like that um well. so we're gonna go, go through a couple of uh, little news tidbits uh canada sevens and langford goes off well um the, the canada women's sevens team finishes fifth um you know they were literally one play away from uh against the u.s for moving on to the semifinals uh so it was a tough break for canada but they finished fifth mm-hmm. pretty respectable um, they must wait for the next tournament to qualify for the Olympics, which is unfortunate, but you know, they're, they're probably going to get there. They've had a really, really strong season. Um, no, I'm not. Um, so it. since we've last, uh, recorded, there was a lot of drama about the Nova Scotia, uh, high school rugby. Um, we're not going to really talk about it because I think it's been talked to death on a lot of different, uh, spaces. If you do want more information, Really look about, up about it because it really talks about some interesting points, especially about uh, rugby's uh, attempt to really drive for uh, diagnosing brain, uh, head injuries, uh, which is something that a lot of sports really haven't done a whole lot on. Um, yeah. And I think some people try to take that information and make it sound like it was negatives, which is unfortunate. Um, so definitely look into that if, some, if that's something that you're interested in mm-hmm. uh, because it is something that – I think Canada as a whole needs to really look at and decide if uh, they really want to take the brain injury uh, uh, problem seriously. Um, another thing about uh, Nova Scotia, and this is specifically about Halifax, is the Halifax Wanderers, which is a, uh, a soccer team in the uh, Can- Canadian Premier League, uh, successfully had one the, their first home game. They had about 6,000 fans show up to the game, which is pretty good. Um, and the, the owner of the team is actually thinking about maybe that uh, – he wants to start his own pro rugby team there in Halifax. Now the arrows actually have played at the Wanderers ground. They, they had an exhibition game against uh, the new England free jacks and uh, they, they had a successful game. Unfortunately, the weather kind of turned away a lot of people, but uh, the ticket sales apparently were fairly good. So that'll be interesting to see if Halifax can get their uh, ducks in a row before Vancouver can. I mean, Vancouver or, or BC and, and, you know, Langford, especially that, that uh, West Hills uh, stadium is somewhere that I always thought that the slam dunk proposal for an MLR team. So maybe we should just start a race to see who gets there first, either Halifax or, mm-hmm. or uh, Langford or someone BC. Cause I mean, my God, the, the training facility for rugby Canada is in BC. You know, it's strange that we don't have a, a professional team there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's coming. Uh, you know, the league, league can only can only grow so quickly, and uh, you know, you still like I, I, I'm sure it's gonna come soon. I'm not like overly worried about it. I don't know how many pro teams you can really put in Canada. Um, so I mean, like you probably, you know, you probably definitely want BC, maybe a team on the East Coast, um, but I think. I think like you just kind of uh, they lie. I think MLR is gonna hit a bit of a point maybe after the third season where I think they're just kind of gonna like you know just let what they have yeah. go and then maybe like you know maybe by like season season five season six season seven or something it's like you know um, like when you can actually like when you get to that point where you can actually like seriously look at the league and be like this is this is sustainable this is gonna work for a really long time yeah. 
Um, not that I don't think it's sustainable at this point, but it's like I think it's like they I think they've done a good job starting the league small, slowly growing it. Twelve teams next year, they're gonna have conferences. Um, I think I think it might be. I know I know Dallas is in talks and stuff, and maybe they're not coming into yeah. like 2021. Um, but I think like right now, if you're kind of sitting sitting on it, it's like it might yeah. not be the worst idea to just kind of let them kind of sit there. Um, the other thing too is like I know there is a lot of people that do make the trip from you know uh, BC down to Seattle for games too. Um, so I mean that's probably you know part of the reason why Seattle's got a great attendance as well. So I mean those I don't know if you want two teams that I mean well we've got Houston and Austin right um, next to each other too, right? I mean then then we're gonna have New York and Boston close. I think I, I agree with you. I think that. Uh, Seattle's attendance will dip a little bit, but I think they're, they're such a strong team in terms of fan attendance that they won't need to worry about it. I, th- I like the idea that being a little rivalry that uh, could get going, but you know what? You're right. It's, it is something that, to think yeah, about, exactly. though. I, I do think that too. Halifax has the potential. I mean, you know, people don't want to give them credit, but they are a strong sports team. I mean, the Moosehead, uh, time and time again, always sell out their, their, their teams. I mean, they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year. They've got this soccer team, so I'll be interested to see how that that turns out. This, this, this is a great, yeah, great sporting community out in uh, Nova you know Scotia it's, it's, for sure. It's uh, got a Scotland can... vibe, so maybe they start pulling from some of those, you know, Scottish players. I mean, I know Scotland's got to deal with, uh, I think, the DC team. They they're actually part owners of it now, so who knows what that ends up being, what type of relationship that yeah, ends exactly. up being like. Um, a couple more, th- but uh, I mean. I'm- going to grow and uh you know i think if you just give it time there's going to be teams in canada um we'll, we'll just uh you know, it's a matter of time but i think i think after this season you or after uh, season three it might just want to just let it grow a little bit instead of you know you don't necessarily want to expand too fast either um so I don't. Know. I think I, I think we might see it stop after we get to the twelve teams. Yeah. And two Derek's conferences. just the, the realist. He realizes he's trying to be practical about it. And I just say, give everybody an MLR team. Yeah, I mean, like if you're gonna expand, I think you're probably looking at Vancouver, and I think you got to put a team in. Like, yeah, Chicago, Chicago would be a something. good one. Apparently, they've got they've got their own little drama going on there, so that'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not even referring to that. It's just more of like. Yo, like that's a major oh, yeah, city yeah. in the United States, and it's in I mean, a region Midwest, that doesn't. Have... Right? I mean, they've they've, they've and, got some you know, universities like... there that that produce some strong yeah. rugby uh, programs. So it'd be interesting to see how yeah. that lines up. You're right. Um, a couple more things. Yeah, like yeah, so I think it just makes sense yeah. to put a team there. A, uh, a couple more things. Um, the Toronto Wolfpack have been busy, but not so much in terms of being on the pitch. Uh, the Wolfpack have announced a new line of uh, CBD oils, and it's really it's a very interesting approach that they've kind of taken. We we all know that the Wolfpack have really taken an attempt to not only just be a strong rugby team on the pitch, but they really want the, uh, to produce products for their for their fans and to also kind of generate more income other than just the rugby pro. I mean, they they bought shares in, in the uh, a London Scholars, and they also just produced, and they're calling it the, their own uh, uh, rugby strength products. So they're all different topical creams you can use for, for pain, and it's really one of the first CBD products to be kind of produced by a pro sports team. Um, 
yeah. it's just such an interesting, interesting approach to, to business. And I think that's something that the Wolfpack have an advantage on is they're very, they've got the financial backing that they can take risks like that. Like they can just say, yeah, okay, we'll buy, we'll, we'll produce this product, you know, and you know, they've, they've partnered with a brewery and now they're some beers got their players on it. You know, they, they've got the, the, the financial, financial muscle to kind of move out and kind of get their, their, their name and the, the Wolfpack brand onto different products. And I think that's a really cool approach to, uh, and I, I know some people with, with CBD and, and cannabis products have kind of a stigma. And I think that's just, it's kind of ridiculous. This is a product that's, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I think so. You know, yeah, D, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think like obviously like they're getting their they're definitely getting their name out there, and you can't uh, you can, certainly can't fault them for that. The only thing that I have like an issue, like the, my biggest issue with this, uh, you know, CBD cream here is if you finish reading the actual press release that the Wolfpack put out, they have a section where like you know you the the normal like. You know, contact the team, the Twitter, uh, their Twitter, like their media contacts and stuff. And then after they have a two paragraph legal disclaimer, um, which I don't know if like how many people actually scroll down and read this because um, it says uh, the first line is that it says that this news release contains certain forward looking information, uh, with, um, which basically um, it's forward-looking information is frequently characterized by words such as plan, continue, expect, project, intend, believe, anticipate, estimate, will, uh, may, potentially, and proposed. Um, this information is only a prediction. Um, so it sounds like the, it almost makes it sound like they're just kind of putting this out there, but they haven't actually planned to release it or anything, um, which is kind of weird because they specifically do say – in one of the first, in the first sentence, the second paragraph of the release says, "The Toronto Wolfpack and Howl Brands plan to release their inaugural uh, CBD-infused uh, topical cream rugby strength." But then, like, they they have a disclaimer at the end that says, "This is a prediction." So it's like I don't know if it yeah. might not happen. Which, if it doesn't happen, it's kind of like if it doesn't happen, it's, yeah. it's kind of lame to just be like, "We'll just toss it." Like we're just gonna toss uh, this out there and that we're gonna do this, but then you have a two paragraph legal description that's basically saying we might not do it or a legal disclaimer that's yeah. basically saying we it's, might it's not interesting do it. that I, so that's i thought that was a, i thought that was a very odd thing to put at the put at the uh the end of your um is it even like it like it just it adds like there's just so much it talks about them whether or not they can join super league like their marketing strategy it even also specifically uh, states like the future of legislative and regulatory developments involving cannabis in Canada internationally. Yeah, so, I wonder. Like, I wonder. Not, I wonder if this, disclaimer, this disclaimer is kind, kind of, of covering their butts in, in case you know anyone anyone gets the you know the knickers and twists. Especially, I mean, the the Wolfpack's primary goal is they need to be in Super League. That's that's their goal. If they don't accomplish that, it's fired. So I'm wondering if they're saying, yeah. listen, if it comes down to it. If someone in Super League gets mad that we're selling this, we're dropping it. And it, and if certain laws like, like yeah, Canada exactly. change, because I know, like we all know that like the cannabis laws kind of in terms of selling the product vary from province to province, right? So I wonder if the Wolfpack are just saying, okay, this is the product we've made it, 
but we're still trying to work out the kinks in terms of products. I mean, apparently they plan on making, what do they say? Um, $22 billion by 2022 yeah. stepping into the CBD market. So, I mean, obviously they've got some type of plan brewing, but yeah, that's part of the, uh, that's part of the disclaimer too, that that number well, might not that's come kind true. Of a no duh thing. Wolfpack. Like, yeah, you definitely might not make that money. If people don't like your product, it might not make it there. Yeah, you're right. It's a very, very strange yeah. uh, release. You know, it's, uh, exactly. And it's just, I don't know if it's just like, because I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, cannabis products and everything, like it's obviously a relatively new thing to uh, marketing and stuff. And, you know, there is, there is a sports team that's going to be like the first one to do it. Um, you know, even talking about like Super League and stuff, like Super League has a stadium sponsored by like an yeah. e-cigarette company and stuff too, which is something that you don't see no. in North America at all. But uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Sometimes I just think, you know, sometimes the Wolfpack, I think, like, I don't know, it just, it's kind of, it strikes me similar to like their first transatlantic sports team or whatever, where it's like, they just want to say that they're the yeah, first yeah, to do something. There, there have been a couple of decisions um, like that, where like it's even, like, like, how much, how much of this decision is, yeah. is, you know, the, the, the owner saying, I want to be a groundbreaking, uh, member of, of yeah. uh, the rugby scene. And like, <laughs> yeah, but like, that's, that's the thing, right? It's like, they still, they still jump on, you know, first transatlantic sports team. And it's like, well, like Super Rugby had teams, France, in, you know, yeah. uh, Japan, or yeah, Japan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and Argentina. So it's like that's like multiple oceans that are being crossed in that league. Um, and then you know, like, yeah, exactly. There's you know the Pro 14 stretches down to like South Africa and stuff. And it was, but it was like, yeah, like even for transatlantic, like the uh, Jaguars are um, one yeah. year older than the Wolfpack too. Uh, so it's just like, you know, um, like that's, you know, that's just a fact. It's not, um, you know, if you, like, it's not like even ripping like their marketing because it's a good marketing thing and stuff. It's just, it's not a f- completely true statement. Um, and I think, I think like that's kind of like, I think that kind of hits on here. Like, I don't know, just reading like the legal disclaimer on the thing. And I mean, it just, like, I don't know. Like, it seems like it's giving them, it's almost like it's giving them an out and that they just wanted to, like, release something. And, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if it actually does get, like, released. But it seems like just the the immediate press release followed, the press release followed by a two-paragraph legal disclaimer. It's basically saying that this right. might not happen. Um, it's bizarre to me. Just, like, a lot of teams don't necessarily, you know, release like release products and then follow it up with right you know we might not do this um i mean we'll see what happens and stuff and you know i mean obviously i think like you know the wolfpack's marketing is, is like, oh i mean working. yeah and that's the thing too right um, we've mentioned it before and i and i know it's something that i want to talk uh, about like we'll, we'll talk about it in, probably in the end of the year podcast about the arrows and when we see their final attendance numbers and stuff like that but i think the one thing that people still seem to forget is what type of budget the Wolfpack is dealing with. I mean, they, they've got the money to run yeah. that giant beer garden and because they've got the money. They, like, they, yeah, they, they literally have the money to start up a separate company. Yeah, they've got the money to stores. advertise 
in, you know, downtown Toronto yeah. by the Eaton Centre. You know, they've got the money to go on to, uh, you know, Sportsnet uh, TV shows and, and advertise their product. You know, they've got the money to give out tickets. I mean, we were just talking about before the game on, I, I was able to get free tickets to, to a Wolfpack game and it's great. And it's a smart, it's not something, it's not like we're chastising the, the, the Wolfpack for giving out tickets. I mean, that's how you get people to go. I have bought tickets to tons of Wolfpack games because I love the experience. And I know that's how they're going to get more and more people. Look at their attendance numbers this year. It's insane. But it also is a double, you know, the other side of the coin, you've got to remember that the arrows are going to use the avenues that they have to get people in the stands. They're going to rely on local rugby clubs and they're just going to rely on word of mouth because they don't have the advertising budget. They don't have the budget just to give out tickets to people. So that way they can come back with more friends. Like it's not how an MLR team works. And also, they don't have the built-in fans from expats over from England that have tons of money to bring their family over from the UK. I mean, at the last game that they had, there was 500 fans from from the UK and from Toronto that were cheering for, uh, I believe it was Doonesbury Rams at the or their no, it was it was someone else that they played, Bradford. Bradford. Like, you're not going to get that yeah. in MLR yet. But yeah, like this. Well, that's, that's the thing, right, is like the, you know, the, the Wolfpack, I think, have that advantage of playing in a league that's over 100 years old. Um, because like you said, you do have like, you know, like this could be uh, like even if you grew up here, it's like, you know, people grow up watching European sports and stuff all the time. And, you know, like you there, I'm like there's, you know, you could have grown up like, uh, you know, a fan of uh, any uh, of watching yeah. rugby league, like even in Canada and. It's like, yeah, if you were already a fan, it's like those having the Wolfpack here, like it's something that you can get out to go see your team and stuff. But it's a, but like, I think that's the other thing. It's like Major League Rugby's, you know, a year and a half yeah. old, really, right now. Um, you know, we're still part, you know, we haven't finished the second season yet. So, like, the whole everything yeah. about Major League Rugby is brand new and like they're completely starting this from scratch. Um, you know, a couple of, t- you know, there's a couple of teams that existed in one way or another yeah. prior to the league starting, but it's essentially. Right. Everybody's essentially brand new. So um, to that to so that guy who's on to that I mean, guy who's on Reddit that constantly says that the arrows won't survive because the wolf pack is too strong. You got to simmer down. Like I I, I try to, but it just yeah. it, it, we might spend another podcast where I just get mad about about that guy. But anyways, remember and set the expectation. The arrows are going to slowly build, and I know it sucks looking at Lamport. And seeing not as many fans, seeing about 2,000 fans and going, oh, well, I mean, if this was a Wolfpack game, that side of the arena would be packed. Yes, you're right. But that's not what the Arrows are going to do. They're going to put in an above league average effort. And that's just what the Wolfpack, the Arrows can accommodate. No, yeah. Uh, The the league has to grow. Before we even get there. Um, I still think the best. I still think the best the best thing that's gonna happen to Major League Rugby is they have a World Cup yes. between their second and the third season, and that World Cup is gonna be broadcasted. You know, all those games are gonna be live. And people on are gonna like talk PSN, about MLR. Uh, you know, which NBC in the states, I believe, right? And it's like that's gonna be the best advertisement yeah. for Major League Rugby. Is like you said, right? Because that's the thing. It's like you know, hope you know, you kind of want 
And to be honest, the, the absolute best thing that could happen for Major League Rugby um, from like just a marketing standpoint or business standpoint is hopefully Canada and the United States yeah. can do some damage at the World Cup. Uh, a couple of W's, um, you know, as, like, you know, and with that actually, you know, you can get, um, you know, you can get people being like, oh, like, you know, like, yeah, the, this Lucas Rumble guy is awesome. We're exactly. going to watch him play after, right? And then you can just major league rugby in the toronto arrows or do you know in the states or whatever like we said it's like you know this yeah, Cam Dolan, is awesome. Sean like, Davies, Maggie. yeah but but it's even like you know i mean like even like other players too it's like you know hopefully you know uruguay does does well right is there's, there's a lot yep. of uruguayan players in the league that you can be like you know oh you know this this uh this Gaston Mures that scored a highlight reel try at the World Cup. Yeah, he plays yeah. down the street. Like, come watch him. Um, so, you know, like we said, like, you know, going forward, like, uh, like we said, going forward, like, guys like, you know, Bastero going to play for France. Um, you know, so hopefully, you know, if France can have a solid run, you can maybe even, like, you know, hype up, you know, hype up Bastero and be like, yeah, you can watch this guy yeah. play in New York next year. Um, so it's like, I think that there is – um, there's, or even like, you know, if any of the, the Fijians can do something, um, that are in the league and you can like aim to those guys as well. Um, or, you know, realistically any player that's in major league rugby yeah. that has a good World cup, um, to it and stuff. So that's, um, from a marketing standpoint and stuff like that's really what I'm looking forward to, um, is, you know, uh, hope we have, especially from the, the Canadians and the Eagles, uh, can get a uh, you know a solid international calendar year here, uh, where you know, get some both, both teams really can uh, rack up some wins, and uh, you know just keep building momentum for the league going forward. Because you know if you put the sport, uh, I think if you just, if you put the sport on the ch- chance to like nationally broadcast it, um, you know people are going to watch it. I think there was evidence of that with the um, the Champions Cup game yes. on the weekend. Um, like I took. To uh, which was obviously you know a great game played between uh, Leinster and the Saracens. Saracens coming out. I also, I also um, don't want to talk about either. Oh yeah, man. No, well, or yeah, I mean, well, I guess if you're a Leinster fan, yeah, it's uh, yeah, you were like you were adamant on the poll that I put up there that Leinster was going to win, and then uh, once you wrote that tweet, that's when um, that they didn't score a point after that tweet. By the way, so it's. Uh, any Leinster fans that are listening to the podcast, it's Dan's fault uh, that they lost to jinx the team. Um, so let them know about that. Um, but you know, besides, uh, but I mean, besides Dan killing um, an entire <laughs> province single-handedly, um, it, was, uh, it was a great game. Um, it was a great game to watch, and it's like you can, like, I mean, I, you know, if you take the, t- I took the time after and went through the uh, the NBC rugby on NBC hashtag. Just you know, knowing that that game was broadcast nationally in the states, and it's like you can kind of you can go through it, and it's like you see like a lot of people that you can tell are watching rugby for the first time that are like you know talking about like how fast paced it is, you know how like how, like impressed they are that these guys make these massive hits without pads on, um, you know, uh, and you know there's obviously a lot of people that are saying things like certain rules confuse them or whatever, um, which is to be expected because it's not. You know, it's not necessarily like the fastest yeah. game to pick up, um, but 
it's like the more, but it's like the, you know, there is, you know, if you, especially if you've never seen it before, you probably, you know, you're not going to be able to pick up on, you know, what that, that team just got penalized for in the scrum or whatever. But it's like, you can definitely pick up on how like awesome a line out looks like if, uh, just from like a visual perspective in a sport. Um, right. Cause it's like, that's where a lot of like, you know, just like the marketing pictures that every rugby, uh, every rugby competition in the world uses. It's like, there's a lot of like line outs and scrum pictures and stuff. Um, so you can kind of do things like that, but like not a single person on that hashtag was like, you know, r- like, you know, r- rugby sucks or rugby's boring or anything to that effect. Um, there was like very, there was no like negative comments about the game. Um, there was no negative comments about, um, or at least none that I saw. And maybe I just have rose colored glasses on or Saracen's colored glasses on. Ugh. I don't want to bug Dan about it. Um, but, you know, if we, if, if like we're just kind of like looking through that lens, I don't know. But like ultimately, like I, I mean, so if you want to prove me wrong, feel free to go through that hashtag and find, you know, somebody's negative tweet. Um, but like, yeah, like I mean, at least you know the people that were getting an emotional reaction out of watching the sport uh, enough to want to like write something about it and share it with their friends on social media. It's like everything about that was like positive, and you know they're like, and hopefully. You know, people, and I saw, like, some people, like, going through it, like, pointing out, like, you know, like, uh, to follow, like, Major League Rugby, to follow some of the teams. Um, Because this Major League Rugby season has been incredibly exciting. Uh, This playoff race is awesome. The best thing for MLR Um, was was how how the season's turned out. You know, with Toronto coming on and New York kind of faltering a little bit. Especially especially for Toronto, too. It's like Toronto's... Uh, Toronto's one win away from being in first and they're one loss away from being yeah. like out of the playoffs entirely. Um, so like, I mean, like that's, that's to me, that's exactly what you want in a league, right? Like it's, you know, it's like, do you have, you know, we have a play where like, you know, we got three weeks left of the season. Um, you, you know, the playoff picture is kind of getting cleared up, but it's like, you know, there could still be like another wrench or two thrown into that. Um, but like yeah like the playoff race is insane like it's perfectly like you know it's perfectly reasonable for you know uh like you said it's it's mathematically possible for the arrows to uh you know finish first and you know still with this like you know with this having only been having been sixth place like at by the end of last week or two weeks ago like they were in sixth um so it's uh you know it's perfectly like it's just it's been a great playoff race and hopefully uh, you know, like that'll continue. You have an ex- like they have an exciting product. Just keep building off of that product, and then yeah, like you have the international calendar. And I hope you know teams like you know if you know a player uh, scores a highlight reel try, it's like you know make sure like Major League Rugby or their individual teams are like you know directing people. It's like oh, like if you like that try, like you can come watch this dude like you know eight times next year. Yeah. live in the San Diego yeah. region or the Toronto region. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like, I mean, just um, like, I think that game showed that, um, I think that game showed that, like, you know, um, like, if you, like, just get it to expose people to it, um, people are going to watch it. And, um, you know, uh, having all the games and stuff, um, having all the games available for, like, free, whether it be Facebook or uh, the yeah, YouTube channel is also awesome because, you know, you can just to it right away. Um, but um, 
right? You can direct people to it right away. But I think, yeah, it's just as long as, you know, the more rugby in general that's on TV, um, the better. Um, we're just, just, you know, even hopefully, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, people start walking into like some, you know, bars or something like come July for the Pacific Nations Cup. And, you know, it's like TSN is, you know, playing a rugby game. It's on the main channel. So, uh, you know, you can get a bunch of people that just like, yeah, uh, stumble across it and things like that. So, yeah, very true. Um, that really is what it comes to. I think, uh, you know, what we saw from, you know, the TV broad- broadcast, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know what the actual ratings are from NBC, but it looked like the social media reaction, though, looked pretty positive from my point of view, um, especially with, you know, some people that maybe have never watched rugby before. Um, so, yeah, like, Nobody said it was boring. No one said it sucked. Um, just, you know, keep keep hammering away at it. And, you know, um, you need a couple, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get, like, into the playoffs here, get a couple, like, highlight real plays and, like, you know, like, hopefully, you know, someone does something crazy yeah. to get it on, like, Sports Center or something. But, uh, like, you know, you just need that more national uh, – national coverage and stuff and even if it's not specifically an mlr game like what the champions cup game was it just helps build rugby as a whole and then people that saw that game that want to watch more rugby can go seek out you know major league rugby or at last like their local yeah we just need more rugby on tv guys um so the last thing we're going to kind of quickly touch on uh is the and it's unfortunately it's kind of a downer topic but um uh, Rugby Canada has decided to release, fire, however you want to say it, uh, Damian McGrath from the uh, National Men's Sevens program. And I personally want to talk about this quickly because I, f- I find it pretty disappointing. Um, it, Mr. McGrath has been a uh, really, really strong influence on the Sevens program here in Canada. Uh, you see the, 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 the support he got from fans uh, from players, especially the players, they they loved him. Uh, the other the coaches throughout the country um, that he took the time to coach and uh, help run uh, programs and and uh, really support the the grassroots of the sevens pr- uh, program. And it just seems strange to me that that Rugby Canada made this knee jerk reaction where we knew that this season probably was going to be can- Rugby Canada's best year on the circuit. I mean, they had injuries to start off the season. They had the boycott, so they weren't really fully ready. And then all these things kind of snowball, and they, they've got a pretty young team too. And that's the other thing is a lot of these guys are, like, under the ages of, like, of 25. So it's a young, young team other than, you know, you know uh, Nate Hirayama and uh, Mike Filofau, and they got Adam Zaruba back from, from football. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite disappointing to see him uh, be uh, kind of kicked out from the from the program because I really really liked what he brought, um, which and, and I hope mm. maybe that one of the MLR teams gets smart and, and try to scoop him up uh, to, to coach because he really is such a such an intelligent uh, rugby mind and it is really unfortunate to see him go. I don't know how you feel about this, but that's kind of my two cents about about the firing. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's unfortunate as well. I think like clearly, you know, with uh, the social media like outpouring um, of support for him, whether it be like, you know, basically, I think almost every sevens player uh, said something, and you know, a lot of the fans and 
you know, like people were even saying things about like not even just him as a coach, but just, you know, as a person in general and all like the extra effort that he put into, you know, going to like going to uh, like youth games uh, throughout BC and uh, just trying to like develop the game from a grassroots level is probably something that's going to be severely missed. And, uh, you know, hopefully like, uh, you know, it's like uh, whenever it just it kind of sucks. Um, so, I mean, hopefully he bounces back. Hopefully he stays in Canada. That'd be fun. Major League Rugby can maybe uh, hop on him. Um, you know, get a, you know, if he stays in North America, like that could be cool too. Uh, the players clearly love him. Um, so, I mean, it is just, uh, it's overly just a little yeah. unfortunate. And hopefully he does find a spot. And I don't think it'll probably take too long. I'm, I'm probably assuming that, that one of the uh, countries is going to pick him up for the seventh circuit because, uh, it, just, it seems kind of like a head scratcher uh, yeah. to not uh, not have him there. Well, I think that's just yeah, especially like the timing yeah, they, of they it was like weird. Of, like, they like, still have I a mean, couple tournaments left in the season. Like why? Tournaments left. But even like yeah, but even like just the timing of the announcement was like because it happened like during all the uh, the rugby Nova Scotia or the uh, Nova Scotia like high school rugby mess there and they just kind of like sent it out at like yeah. 30 at night like in the middle of everybody like focusing on uh nova scotia and it was just like it was almost just like wanted yeah, to like sweep it under the rug i did almost i think they like, just weird. knew that it was going to be a yeah, was, not great a announcement. An, uh, announcement well i think that's going to be it tonight uh thank you everyone again for listening our our, our numbers are kind of going up up and up um you know you can find us on anchor.fm or on spotify or there, there, there's a list on anchor.fm where you can kind of see where all our things are, are getting posted. Uh, we're going to try and get into more. I know people are asking for uh, SoundCloud and a- Apple podcasts. Unfortunately, they've got a lengthier review process. So we're working on that. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at, uh, at Rouge Rugby, uh, where we kind of update about the podcast and we kind of give our two cents about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and we kind of just retweet everyone when it comes to uh, certain news. Um, if you want to follow uh, us personally, um, at Brissette4, that's two S's and two T's in his name. Uh, he's posting tons of... Also three D's, one of our well, I didn't want to put all of it. I didn't want to spell all of it out. Uh, but Derek's got tons of uh, awesome writing that he does for Layman Sports on his page. So be sure to follow him and... I'm less of an interesting follow, but at da underscore Murph too. Um, we really appreciate everyone uh, with, with some of the comments we've gotten about it. Uh, again, we're kind of seeing, I think we had, we had uh, South Africa, New Zealand, States, Ireland, Scotland, and Canada so far. So uh, it's great to see so many uh, different uh, national uh, countries uh, listening in and, uh, once again, everyone, Derek, thank you for uh, for uh, listening to me complain and also just yell at clouds. <laughs> yeah, well, no he's problem. Just an awesome person, uh, so thank you everyone much for and, uh, listening and have a, have a good night. <laughs>